Hey there. Welcome to Twins Talk Clear-Cut Communication. Yes, we are twins. And yes, we are two old guys who should know better than to try to tackle the topic of communication in a podcast. But we're going to do it anyway, and hopefully you'll find it informative and maybe even enjoyable. Hey, we're coming to you from Hot Coffee, Mississippi. (laughs) I just love these towns, Bear. Who in the world comes up with these hot coffee, Mississippi? You Uh, could draw me right into that city right now. I'd be there. That's right. I can see myself sitting at a cafe, having a cup of coffee, having this conversation. Well, those of you from Hot Coffee, welcome. We're glad to have you aboard. We are moving on to a conversation about facilitation. And frankly, listeners, uh, you've missed out on the first 20 minutes of our conversation. Bear and I have been talking about facilitation and exchanging our different points of view. And we just decided, let's start this recording and include the listeners in our conversation. And it's much less at this point, a kind of we want to present a unified point of view as much as this us talking through what does the concept actually mean. Now, when we decided we would think through how we would set up our conversation, we thought the first thing we would do is try to talk a little bit about it in terms of what it means, its definition, if you will. And I have been sharing that I wanted to view it in the context of leadership. Now, clearly, facilitation is not reduced or only confined to leadership. It's all about all kinds of relationships. But I thought if we start there, we'll be speaking to the leaders in our listener group about their particular approaches to leadership. And one of the things that I found interesting, Bear, was that there's all kinds of research that breaks leadership down into style. So what I proposed was that we think about leading or leadership as coming from one of three approaches, directive, facilitative, and laissez-faire. And when I went there, the whole conversation just exploded. So Bear, jump in. I think that's a a terrific topology, those three to start with. One was directive, a second was facilitative, and then third that you identified was Mm laissez-faire. And I think those are fine uh, pictures of how someone might approach the skill of facilitation and also indicative or reflective of a leadership style. Mm -hmm. Now, in our conversation, one of the things that I landed on was all three of those suggest an interest in a level of control. The directive style is the most controlling. Anyone who chooses to be directive naturally wants to be in control for whatever their reason might be. Someone who wants to be facilitative is someone who doesn't want to be in control as much directly as they want to set a framework for people to operate in and then monitor that and maintain that structure so that it can help others succeed. Mm-hmm. And then the laissez-faire, the person who would enter uh, a conversation or communication or use as a leadership style, laissez-faire is to me, someone who's saying, I don't want to be in control. In fact, I'm not going to be in control, but I'm still going to hold you accountable. I'm still going to, I'm still going to make you responsible for the outcome. That's so right. it's a way of being uh, in charge at the top and feeling I can't lose. I like your concept of control and how central it is to these three how, and how easy it is to look at a leader. And again, I'm using leader right now and leadership right now as a context, a venue that we can look at specifically. Sure. Say, if you're a directive leader, if you're a person who likes to provide direction and really drive the organization or group, whatever it is that you're leading, that has to do with control. It means that you really do want to be in control. 
facilitative style, and you had continued to refer to these as skills. And I think one of the things we're going to eventually get to is we see facilitation as not only a skill, but a mindset. And it's also a process. So facilitation is a skill set. It is a mindset of how you approach life in general. In fact, I'm working on a book with uh, two colleagues called The Facilitative Mind. And the great thing about working on the book is we don't have to do it. We're never going to complete it. How long have you been working on it? We've been working on it 10 years. I expect us to be working on it maybe 15. And then eventually we're going to somehow admit that we're no longer working on it. But nonetheless, it's like gone with the wind in communication. (laughs) It's truly gone with the wind as far as I'm concerned. But we did really get to the point, the three of us talking about what were we trying to address here, that there is a mindset that does trigger a more facilitative approach to not only organizations and leadership, but life itself. So I think that's an aspect. And then the notion that facilitation is a process. So we want to address all three of those at some point. But right now, we're just kind of talking about approaches to leadership and seeing these three as helpful in sorting out how people approach this task of leading from certain perspectives. And one of the issue is control. The other term we wrestled with was the notion of power, that we got into the notion that leaders often can be defined by the degree to which they empower their followers, the degree to which empowerment exists in their organization. And we were playing with that notion of the transfer of power. Any thoughts on that one, Barry? I think those two terms are probably interchangeable. Mm -hmm. Power and control have have a light quality to me when you're talking about the interaction of you and others. So uh, the transfer of power, the transfer of control is the critical choice in this process of succeeding with groups, succeeding with individuals and in groups. Now, I think that when we talk about leadership, I was saying to you, I think leadership is more style and it employs maybe several skill sets. Now, you said facilitation is a skill set, but also has this mindset and it is, it is in fact, a process. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that's a really terrific way to view choosing facilitation as a way of interacting. I was sharing with you that in the classroom, when I used to talk about empowerment and the exchange of power and just empowerment as a concept and trying to get my students to understand it, because it was at a moment in time when empowerment was just raging across the country in every organization, they wanted to empower their workforce. And essentially, I concluded that empowerment in terms of decision-making is simply who gets to say so. If I'm empowered, I get to say so. Now, I think when we look at this model of approaches, in a directive model of power, I get to say so. I'm going to say so. In a facilitative model of power, we're going to say so, both of us, you and I. In a laissez-faire model of empowerment, you get to say so. And I'm going to blame you if it goes south. I'm willing to say, okay, I don't have to say so. I'm telling you to say so. So I think that's another way of looking at this concept of being a directive leader, being a facilitative leader, or being a laissez-faire leader, it is about when you think about yourself working in a setting, am I the one that says, I want to say so? I want to make the call. I want to make the decision. Or am I one that says, I'm willing to make the decision with others and to share that decision? Or I'm one that says, I'd rather have you make the decision. Does that resonate with you? Or do you, how I think do you that's terrific. Go for I that think we're, we're on the same page with that. Now, I would, I would like to spend uh, maybe like, make a contribution related to describing the skill that's mm-hmm. involved. And as we've said before, with all skills, that's specific behaviors we're using that produce desired outcomes, specific outcomes. 
and those can be learned and developed. And, and in this case, in facilitation, it involves monitoring process. The word facilitation uh, in Latin means to render less difficult. It means to make easy. And I like that picture of facilitation, that your goal when you're facilitating is to make it easy for those that you're engaging, those you're assisting, you're supporting, make it easy for them to work together to achieve whatever outcome it is that they're focused on. You know, when you use the word engagement, you triggered for me an article that was written in Harvard Business Review some years ago, maybe even a decade ago now, called Fair Process. And it was the idea of how in an organization do you lead and what were people looking for? What did they want as members of the organization? And the authors wanted to argue that people don't expect organizations to be democracy, where we all get to make the final call. Well, we're just, you've handed that over to us and it's a collective decision. But they do expect fair process. And one of the authors said, it's kind of like, I want my day in court. I want to have my say. I want to be heard. Now, I realize the decision could be out of my hands, but it is about having a process that's a fair process. The article really resonated with a lot of executives in the sense to have a much more engaged workforce and leaders were having difficulty figuring out how do I manage this? And so when the fair process article came along, they really liked it because what the authors argued for was three E's in fair process, engagement, expectations, and explanation. And it's the engagement that I found fascinating, at least initially, because directive styles do not create engagement, even though leaders think they do. That's the amazing thing to me. Leaders who are directive think, just because I've spoken, I've now got the group engaged. And actually, laissez-faire leaders don't create engagement. They pass the engagement on down below, but they're not involved. And so I think here, too, the real value of facilitation as you were explaining in terms of the definition, is that it does create a level of engagement that you can't get in any other style. But go back to skills. You were saying you want to unpack that a little bit and about behaviors. What do you see to be some of the behaviors that do relate to facilitating and facilitation? Well, facilitation to me in a group setting is setting parameters that people need to operate within in order for the group to move more smoothly. You need to increase uh, inquiry among all the members of the group rather than their advocacy. You need to create as much as possible a safe environment, which is to say, if I make a contribution, I'm not going to be shot out of the air. That I don't have to worry that in the course of this conversation, what I say is either going to be used against me here or it's going to be used against me elsewhere. Part of that facilitative parameter is that you create a, an environment that that is safe, contributing. I think part of the skill set for a facilitator is to listen collectively, to listen to what they're hearing collectively and not necessarily focus on any one individual, but get the whole picture and, and maintain that understanding. And where necessary, feedback to members of that group, provide some feedback to them of what you're hearing and being able to do that in a manner that doesn't doesn't exasperate people, but it does potentially agitate them to additional contribution. I am interested in your concept of, what was it, collect, collective inquiry? Yes. Uh, can you talk a little bit more about what you meant by that? Well, I, I, I use that phrase. I, I may have not had any single picture in mind, but to me, collective listening involves me summarizing in my head what I'm hearing from all the members who are contributing, not focusing necessarily on any one comment or contribution, not necessarily 
trying to stimulate only one person to make a contribution, but trying to keep in front of me all of those comments and what they mean together as opposed to mean individually. So as I hear you say that, it strikes me then that when we talk about facilitation as a skill, one of the actual communication skills that promotes that is being able to summarize. I mean, for the group. I mean, I can summarize in my head, as you said, but I think on occasion and pretty regularly, frankly, to be able to summarize the conversation and have people agree, yeah, that makes sense to me. What you said is where we've just gotten to is very helpful in this facilitation process. Yes. Anything else on uh, facilitation and skill? I know we're going to, we're always going to keep speaking to it. With the time we have, I would hope that you might venture into the idea of also being a mindset, because I think that's new to people. I think a lot of people wouldn't necessarily consider facilitation a mindset that I have to have when I walk into a situation. Well, believe it or not, I'm going to be a tease on this one and say, we're going to save that for the next episode. Because my view was the mindset really speaks to core values you have to hold and commitments you need to make in order to maintain this mindset. So I know how terrible it is to say, okay, we're just going to pass on that one. We're going to tease you all. We're going to save that one. I believe that the mindset is very important and that people do have different mindsets and how they approach leadership and how they approach relationships, period. But if you don't mind and you don't have a choice, because I'm not going to share (laughs) <laughs> okay. okay. Ran into a wall okay. there. That's right. Forget that one. We'll set that one. We'll tee that one up for the next time. But I did think maybe we ought to take a moment or two to talk about our views of facilitation as a process, a little bit different than facilitation as a skill set. We've now introduced the notion facilitation is a skill, it is a mindset, and it is a process. Reactions or thoughts on process, how would you describe it as a process? Well, one of the things is that I think that if you're going to facilitate a group, at some point, you need to help the group define the outcome they want to produce. Mm -hmm. A part of the process is that there be a picture, and I don't know how rigid the definition needs to be, but they have to have in mind what they want to accomplish together. And they need to reach some consensus on what that is. Mm -hmm. Because without that, I think there's an awful lot of wandering. The group is far more difficult to get on the same page, to get a common platform from which you're speaking. So that's part of the process. There's a phrase I use that I think fits with what you're saying, and that is, in order to get buy-in, you have to get way in. Now, what I have found is that most leaders think, I'm going to get buy-in by selling you my idea, by communicating it almost endlessly until you either cave, give in, or just simply adopt what I'm saying. But that is not the way you get buy-in. You get buy-in by creating a process in which people can weigh in and continue to share their ideas and continue to respond to others' ideas until we begin to collectively find a place where, okay, I can buy into that now that I've weighed in, now that I've heard others. And I'm hoping I'm syncing up with what you're saying because what you said triggered that in my mind that that is a unique aspect facilitating. If you do it well, you really work at getting people to weigh in on an idea, share their view, share their collective, where are we heading on this one? What's our goals, et cetera? Right. And part of it, and to me, an additional part of the process is that there's some structure, mm-hmm. not heavy structure, but some structure, whether part of the structure is time, the amount of time we're going to take on a weekly basis or daily basis, whatever it is, that there be a time reference. I think part of the structure is what I mentioned earlier about uh, people's contributions being kept, if not totally confidential, kept within the group. 
and not shared outside where it could be misinterpreted or misunderstood. I think creating that environment that's safer, where I feel that I'm not as much at risk, part of that process of structure. Uh, I think, uh, and I mentioned earlier, talking about people's investment and inquiry, that, that that's part of the process is getting people to ask questions, getting people to be less oriented toward debate. You know, and one of the other things that you said earlier, not during the the broadcast, but in our conversations, is that the more diverse a group, the more facilitation is probably going to be required. Because what you're doing is you're having people come from different perspectives, sometimes significantly different perspectives, which creates a diversity of thought. And in order for that really to come together, there has to be a conversation that is by intent and design facilitated. So these ideas can surface and merge. And so that was the other thought I had about facilitation as a process, that when we opt for facilitating, what we do is increase the potential of being successful, particularly when we have greater diversity within the group. Yeah, I think that that's absolutely true, Bob. Diversity is both a potential strength and potential weakness of any group. If it's not well facilitated, if that diversity isn't given the right structure to function in, it has a tendency to be a at times a distraction, at times a source of conflict. And when it is given the right structure and you, you've given it the support it needs, then it becomes a true strength. Because mm-hmm. then you've got different perspectives, you've got different understandings, different backgrounds, different experiences that you can bring into the conversation, into the process, so that it adds. Mm-hmm. Well, in this attempt, in our first episode, to set up the definition of facilitation, and we haven't defined it in a single definition, but we have talked about it in a variety of ways as an approach in leadership and in relationships, as a skill, as a mindset, and as a process. I think we can move on to episode two to talk about this notion of mindset. And I I guess if I were to offer a summary principle, I think people need to stay in touch with is that the goal of facilitation is to make things easy for those you're working with, to allow them to be more successful with less frustration, less effort. If you're doing that, then you're being very effective at facilitation. Well, you sure made this podcast easy for me, Bear. (laughs) Glad I could facilitate it. That's right. You did a great job of facilitating today. The twins are done talking for today. Now it's your turn. We'd love to hear from you with feedback regarding today's theme or situation you'd like us to step into during a future session. You can reach us at twintalk46 at gmail.com. Remember, no communication problem is so big, so complicated, or so intense that we can't make it larger, more complex, or more dangerous than it already is, almost effortlessly. And we'd like to thank Kevin McLeod, for the score that both began and ended this podcast.